1: Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare Short-Term Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. Today I am delighted to be joined by Coach Tom. How are you, buddy? I'm good, mate. Very well, mate. I'm very well. And we also have Coach. Chloe on the podcast how are you great
1: thanks this is exciting good. hey guys
2: good stuff right today's topic is reasons that you are not losing weight now this is a common thing that we want people to understand look, look it's not a linear process it's quite challenging to lose weight at uh, you know a for, uh, for an extended period of time. But it's also, there's going to be bumps in the road. And there might be things that people potentially don't realize that might be blocking their progress. So we're going to go through. Tom and Chloe are going to give us their insights, and some that they've seen regularly come up with clients. So hopefully this is going to give you, let's say, some guidance. Um, and maybe as we go through them, you can pick one or two out and be like, you know what? I definitely need to focus on doing that. So Tom, let's kick us off. What's, uh, what's one reason people might not be losing weight?
3: Okay, this is something I commonly see, particularly maybe when we take clients on during like an early part of their process working with us, is often comes down to, I would say, a little bit of kind of consistency and understanding that, you know, if a week is seven days and a month is, say, 30, 31 days, you know, how how consistent are you being, particularly when I'm going to talk about here is like Monday to Thursday versus Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. So... Friday, Saturday, Sunday is 42% of your week. And often talk people talk in the fitness industry, don't they, about the, the 80-20 rule, right? You know, we don't expect most of the people that we work with are, are not professional athletes. They're everyday people, they've got jobs, they've got kids, family, social life. So we want people to enjoy what they eat and drink. But obviously, if your goal is fat loss and you're trying to lose weight... You have to be aware of what you do at the weekend. You can't just kind of check check out of my fitness pal come Friday lunchtime, yeah. open it up again Monday <laughs> morning, and always expect that you're going to be making progress. So those kind of Monday to Thursday dieters, you know, people have got their their ducks in line. They're they're quite maybe good disciplined. They've got their go-to meals during the week, but for one reason or another, whether it's a bit of fatigue or social situations or just just a change in circumstances friday saturday sunday i think can really make or break someone's nutrition plan
2: why do, why do you think that people struggle why do you think people are on plan Monday to thursday and why do you think they struggle weekends
3: i think one is change of routine i think you know if, if you go to work and you, you have a shift pattern you probably plan your meals in around when you go to work when you go to the gym you pick the kids up things like that suddenly we get to the weekend and there's a lack of structure so maybe you get up a little bit later, or you're going out for lunch, and that's where things can maybe just kind of spiral out of control. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, that's and, the and thing, maybe on isn't flip it? Side, like, you know, on.
3: people have a meal on a f- yeah. No, so maybe I think I think as well. Like on a Friday evening, let's say you do go out for a meal, people then take one meal and then kind of write off the whole rest of the weekend.
2: Yeah, yeah. Rather definitely. than
3: just looking at that one meal individually. And you know you know just chalking it off and picking up again Saturday, like say they kind of write it off, and they'll go, "I'm sure we've all said it, oh, I'll start again monday
2: yeah that's that's it, isn't it like the eighty twenty rule is it works if your twenty percent is not so horrendous that it negates the eighty percent that you're good, or like you say, it isn't twenty percent it's 38 percent or 48 percent or whatever it is so you know i think having that balance is definitely something that we want people to be doing but like you say it's just having that little bit of awareness that if it's one meal that's cool but you've got to get back on and uh, you know i think that if you can do that then you you can hit the ground running monday rather than having to oh my god i've got to be super restrictive monday and you know then monday tuesday it's really you know you're only actually kind of dieting or or on plan from probably wednesday because you're just trying to offset your weekend. Chloe, I know you, you you know you're you're in a in a phase at the moment where you're prepping for kind of uh, competitions and and stuff. Like how do you approach weekends? I th-
1: I completely get the going off at the weekend thing because I think cuz food is so emotional, isn't it? Yeah. At the weekend you've got like that feeling of oh it's the weekend, celebration, have fun. It's such a different feeling. Like I find if I ever you know, eat a little bit more. It's often because I'm excited or I'm celebrating something and I feel like, especially with bank holidays and stuff, maybe people eat more at the weekend because they're wrapped up in that celebration of like, oh it's friday or it's saturday or it's sunday so we tend to eat more but for me i just i just try and i prep all my food ahead of time for the weekend um and i find that keeps me really on track and i just i just look at the weekend as as the same as the week as much as possible like i just look at it as the same it's the same thing like even if my schedule isn't different even if i'm working i just make sure that i'm like right i'm eating at my time's that I usually eat and just prepping everything in advance I think if you yeah. plan it it's fine if yeah. I have a day like a Saturday where I haven't planned my food then I'm probably not going to eat on plan because I haven't planned it out in advance so it's just planning it in advance I think as well
2: yeah I think you know me and Tom we put together some posts on Instagram midweek meal prep isn't it like people prep Sundays and then they run out by Thursday and then everything's a little bit random and when it's random it's not controlled and you know you're often going to make poor choices I think they say having a little bit of planning and a little bit of kind of, oh, well, I only do the food shop on a Sunday, so then you're scratching around, making poor choices Friday, right Saturday. That's a really key thing that helps people kind of stay on track. And, and food timing like you said, close. That's definitely something I do personally. Try to stick to regular-ish eating patterns and times, even even over the weekend. One thing I do want to mention just before we move on to the next point is for for people that are dieting, I think sometimes weekends can often then put them off track if they're too restrictive, if they're too restricted in the week. So then all of a sudden they build up, build up, build up, you know, too, too, you know, they eat too little. And then they're just looking forward to the weekends when they can just kind of be like, oh, well, I've been really good all week. I'll overindulge at the weekends where our approach is to kind of maybe give people a little bit more food in the week so that they don't bank this hunger and they don't get these cravings and everything. And then the weekends isn't like a splurge because you've actually been all right in the week. I think that's definitely something that we found to be, you know, helpful for, for clients.
1: Yeah. I think as well, like having those, I think some people view certain foods as only available on the weekend. Yeah, Like if yeah. you even like having like a pizza on a Wednesday or something, if you want to have half a pizza for dinner, don't be like, oh, well, it's Wednesday. Well, okay, just, just <laughs> have it because then otherwise you're going to eat like maybe four pizzas on Saturday night or something like that. So it's foods as well, isn't it? Like certain foods you see as weak foods or weekend foods. As, yeah. It's just food. <laughs> is I, absolutely I, I, right. think,
3: I think taking control and making the decisions and always planning something in, whether you're going to plan what you're going to eat or even you're going to identify the situation where you're going to eat off plan, I found I often find to be very beneficial for clients yeah. because they then like say it's not then random and you know a little bit everything's a little bit out of control and it's three plates of food at the barbecue it's if they plan that's the brunch I'm going to eat off plan that's the dinner I'm going to have out whether it's a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning they go into it feeling a bit more controlled they enjoy that meal and then they kind of have less guilt out the other end and just pick back up on their plan when they're ready to do so
2: yeah I think you're absolutely right mate top stuff Chloe What's the next point that we got on the on the list?
1: So I've got overestimating your calorie output. I think that this is like, this is a really common one, especially if people wear like Fitbits and Apple Watches and things like that. We yeah. think we're burning like loads and loads and loads of calories. So we end up eating more. Obviously if we're tracking or whatever, we overestimate the amount we're putting out. So we're like, well, I can eat more food and we're actually not burning that much so we're not even at maintenance we might even be in a surplus if we end up trying to match those calories we've burnt and then you know we're not in a deficit so i think that can be a massive thing one of my friends actually came to me the other day and she was like oh you know well i can eat this many calories today because i've burnt 1000 calories on my my zone just in my workout and i was like i don't think you've burnt a thousand calories in one workout on your my zone
2: i mean the inaccuracies of fitness trackers is well documented now isn't it like it's it's a good marker but mm. they're not accurate are they and I think the type of exercise can massively depend massively make an F, a difference on that like if you're doing CrossFit yeah, or if you're doing like you know something else it's quite challenging for, for the tracker mm. to actually give you a, an accurate output so yeah eating back calories is a is a dangerous thing but I would say overestimate them at the start because like people would punch these into a calorie calculator and be like oh I'm training 11 hours a week or I'm doing this many steps or I'm doing that whatever I think, like I say, sometimes that is definitely giving the people a too high of a target and then they're expecting to lose weight and then they don't necessarily see that reflecting in the scales. Yeah. Yeah. For sure.
3: Would you yeah, recommend definitely. that people err on the side of caution then when it comes to like step counts and number of sessions per week? If they are you know, looking at a macro calculator right now,
1: I, I think so. Like I think you've got to kind of be careful because we don't want to get into the position where we're in too much of a deficit because we always want to be dieting on the highest calories we can possibly diet on right because we want to be healthy we want to feel good we don't want to feel horrendous when we're trying to lose fat we can feel pretty decent most of the time but i think definitely better like to just if you're don't use you know your data from a fitness tracker just think maybe go on maybe like okay well have i done you know about half an hour of exercise Maybe just reduce it a little bit if you're doing an hour in the gym, you're not training for that whole hour, are you? So maybe bring that down a little bit. And yeah, definitely be a little bit be a little bit under is a good thing. And you can always take it up a little bit if you need to, if you lose weight super fast. I think that's it's really important to remember as well. Just because you start on a certain amount of calories, you can always make little tweaks based Mm. on how you're feeling. It doesn't have to be like, you know, super high or super low. Yeah.
2: I think that's there's two really good points there. The the overestimating how much output people do in classes is very common. We wrote stuff about CrossFit classes as well, especially when it's really high-skill sessions. You know, you're going into, oh, I've trained, Liam, I've trained seven days, oh, six sessions this week. But actually, you know, in that session, there was snatch, hang snatch and one snatch for eight minutes, and then there was a six-minute AMRAP. And your skill level isn't actually at the level where you're going to have a high output in those workouts because you're just on the training bar or you're just doing movement patterns. So you know, there you're like, oh, I've trained six days. So you enter that in on a calculator, and it will give you quite a higher output because it's going to times it by the physical physical activity level. And I think that's where it is dangerous. But Chloe, you made a really good point there. Like it's a starting point. It, it, it's where you need to to start. Track your progress, energy levels, recovery from exercise, energy in training, out of training, what's your weight doing, what's your hunger levels, and then make small adjustments. I think all of these calculators and everything else are just a starting point. But I think you do need to take a bit more of an objective view to be like, don't necessarily just put everything onto a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, and also then maybe have a little look at your sessions. Now, if you're going in and doing like, right, you know, a proper hour on a spin bike or something, you know, then there isn't much that you're not doing. You know, you're going to be pushing quite hard. So I think averaging it out, like I say, is a good idea, cost a week. So if you're training six days and you know a few of them are more skill based, then maybe put four hours a week as your actual, you know, starting point. You know, I think that's going to be a, uh, give you probably a more accurate number to start with. Tom, hit us with the next one, big man.
3: Okay. going to talk about something that we call micro cheating (laughs) and again this is something I see commonly with clients I do this (laughs) we're not pointing
2: fingers but everyone does it
3: (laughs) we're not not pointing fingers but everyone's now listening to Chloe yeah yeah micro cheating again it's something I commonly see with clients where maybe you know we we get them to take pictures of a food diary or you know they, they they're tracking their food on my fitness pal there's often a difference between what you track and what you record and what potentially you eat and drink. Now, that, now, this might be stuff that you know you're doing and just not tracking it, or it might be stuff that you don't even realise that you're doing. Yeah. For example, every time you have uh, a, a really milky coffee from the uh, from your local coffee shop, you might have a couple of biscuits when you get back to the office with it. It might always be someone's birthday on a Thursday, so it's a little slice of cake. When you're cooking dinner at home, you know you're, you're having a little bit of something. Maybe you've got some kids. Maybe you eat their leftovers. All these things on their own aren't very big, but they do add up. Yeah, are oh, they add up across the days and the weeks? And if and and so again, it's just having that often. Liquid calories can be a big cause of this as well. Again, like I said, I mentioned milk in, in tea and coffee, fruit juices, fizzy drinks, and the dreaded a word alcohol. Yeah, so I think
2: I think you're right here. It's like microtreating is the one and that's when you're like say you're you're sneaking little extras in that you're not really accounting for but there's also the other side of the coin where it's sneaky calories so we're not necessarily micro cheating but it's these sneaky calories that 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 kind of get in there across Mm. our week you know the more oil when we're cooking and you know the, the the granolas which is nice but higher fat higher carbohydrate energy dense foods the whole milk in coffees you know like these types of things like they do add up, like you're right. So it's just being aware, isn't it? Like of
1: peanut butter left on the spoon
2: that yeah, you're like, not using. If you do it every day, that's there's a the thing, one. if you're if you're doing it every day, <laughs> Chloe if you you know all of a sudden that that little bit left on the spoon becomes <laughs> a heap, a, gets bigger, heap bigger every in, time in there. But yeah, like have the kids start, ones. Have you
3: started eating all of Finn's leftovers yet? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> no, I just
2: I just make him extra because I know I'm going to eat it. <laughs> so now it's like two slices of peanut butter and toast, and I'm like, mm. but I did notice it the <laughs> other day. Like I was licking the I make him early breakfast early in the morning, almost before I've eaten, and I'm licking the knife and I finish his toast and. And I'm like, it's probably going to help me because I need to get a little bit stronger and a bit bigger, like as always. So actually, I probably do need to micro-cheat to get my calories up there because I don't eat enough. So, <laughs> But I do. <laughs> I, it is something that I know it's a throwaway comment, eating kids' meals. But I genuinely notice how it, it could add up quite quickly. And it's that mindless thing. That's what we want people to be aware of. Again, we're not pointing fingers. We're just making you aware that it is that mindless snacking. It is co- eating while cooking, like I do this: a couple of olives when you're putting it in there, or oh, a little bit of this, and then all of a sudden, like that's in 150 calories. Now, if you're doing that every day, coupled with all of the, the extras on there, then that can make a difference. Especially if your calories are relatively low. We have got smaller, you know, men and women out there who are trying to diet. This is it's, it's challenging, you know, and and it, it will block your progress. So, I definitely think that that and Liquid calories are always the one to, to, to it's hard, but if you can make a difference, if you can make a change to, to removing them, it's gonna help, isn't I it? I think
1: milk milk and coffee is one of the biggest things. I mm. I think that we don't we just don't realise it as well. Like I have a lot of clients, you know, who are doing perhaps six week fat loss or something and then they talk about they say, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm having five cups of tea a day with semi-skim milk in it. And then you say, well, that's, you know, that could be 150 to 200 calories just in the milk. I had one client who, bless her, she's fantastic. She won't mind me saying, but she was having two flat whites a day for ages. And she was like, I'm not losing any weight. And it, we took them out and it made a difference. And it's just, it's crazy how these things are. I don't think we actually realise, because it's not, you know, food. We don't, it, I mean, it is, but it's not, you know, in the way we kind of often think. So it yeah, does exactly. add up.
2: It does. It, re- it really does. And the what we want to we want to try and make dieting as easy as possible. So if you can identify these small changes, that's going to allow you to make progress through the diet a lot more efficiently than, oh, here's a load of new recipes that you've got to make and it's all confusing. So identifying a, cube, a few of these key things that you can just tidy up, I think, is a, is an easier way to make to make progress and probably sustain progress a little bit easier once you've lost that weight don't let these things sneak back in so yeah great stuff good good pointers there Chloe on to the next one number four
1: yeah so kind of kind of ties in quite well to that is a portion control um and eyeballing and actually knowing how much we're eating so I think you know when we are trying to lose fat it's important that we obviously we need to know how much we're taking in whether that means tracking calories i don't think we all need to track calories it depends where our starting point is right but you know if we're doing hand portions or something like that we need to have an awareness of what is in our food and how much of each kind of macronutrient we're eating because it's so easy to overdo certain foods and you know people often say well i eat super healthy and it's like i'm sure you do eat super healthy and they're drizzling you know buckets of olive oil on their salad and they're like health and you know it's it is it is yes it's healthy but that that olive oil the calories add up and I think people can think that they're maybe using the right portion control like if I said to you you know just drizzle out 10 mils of olive oil would you actually really be able to get it on you probably wouldn't yeah, I mean, it's taken right. me, year. I've been tracking food for years and I'm just about at the point where I'm like, that's 15 grams of peanut butter. Always um, peanut butter for me, isn't it? It's, it's not that you know, much, and- is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not much at all. Much.
0: Um,
1: and, you know, again, like people, people say, you know, that are struggling and they're like, oh, I'm not seeing the scale move. And, you know, I say, well, are you, are you weighing things out? Are you aware of what you're having? And they're like, oh, well, no, I just had a small amount of avocado. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we need to we do need to measure these things out because they will yeah. add up. And
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's going through the process of tracking to educate yourself, to give yourself the knowledge of how much carbohydrates, protein, fats are in certain foods, the portions that you require, because we're terrible. We're terrible at eyeballing, and we're terrible at eating in moderation. So when you can objectify it and understand oh, that's how much it fills my plate. That's how much it fills my bowl. Like that is 50 grams of carbohydrates in rice and potatoes and oats or whatever. Once you undo, once you do that, again, like that's a really useful skill to cultivate. And if you can do that, you don't have to track every single gram, but you just have to understand that, oh my God, that that's the portion size. So, you know, I think that people can go through that. If they're struggling to lose weight, and have been following a diet for a while, then doing that and just understanding. Well, I don't need to track everything, but if you can just do a couple of the more regular meals, then you know that that that's definitely something. One one client, I always tell the story on my presentation. So apologies if you've come to one spaghetti bolognese. Once he entered it in, it was twelve hundred calories, <laughs> one serving, and everyone goes, "No way! There's no way you can eat twelve hundred calories." And I'm like, "Okay." 15% mince, olive oil in cooking, cooked it up, spaghetti, it's quite hard to portion control spaghetti because you're having loads. And then what does he you do on tell top? my mum that. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> ladling it, ladling it on. And then and then what does he top it with? Loads of parmesan. So all of a sudden, it's a really energy-dense meal. Now, for spaghetti this is a great meal to have, but you've got to be just aware that portion control with type this type of thing is is quite challenging. So that's when I say go through the go through a little bit of education in terms of just trying to identify that portion control. But look, Tom, we don't need to track calories and macros, right? We we you know, we've got a we're a new program, Fat Loss Simplified that doesn't require calories and macros. So how can people go around portion control without having to use an app or anything?
3: I definitely think stripping things back a little bit and building meals and recipes using ingredients rather than again trying to find something that's very complicated and and there's the more ingredients and, and more things that are going in your bowl or your plate there's potentially more things you can over portion so if you strip things back and have a source of protein and it feels about a quarter of your plate or about the palm of your hand I think carbohydrates and fats are the ones to be most aware of like yeah. so the spaghetti, rice, potatoes But by using kind of four or five ingredients to build a meal, it's then a lot easier to see how much you need on the plate, how you feel on that. And like we said about if everything is a little bit random, sometimes it's hard to identify what's working well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, stripping things back, keeping things simple, and then you can make some small tweaks and changes from there. Yeah,
2: definitely. There's multiple ways to employ portion control. I mean, I don't really adhere to eating off smaller plates. I know that's that's one that people use but it's kind gonna of keep going back for seconds and thirds but if you can have an idea of what your plate should look like from a portion control like so segmenting it in your mind to be like okay it's this many carbohydrates like on that kind of third of the plate or quarter of the plate or you know this many veggies and my protein kind of fills it there again that gives you an understanding whereas if it's not if you don't know that and everything's a bit random then you potentially can overeat again if you if you use hands and if you use you know this in terms of building you on your plate so you then understand how much that is i think that's a really good idea like it's a good starting point and saying keeps it a little bit more simple rather than numbers but if you're going down the calorie and tra- uh, calorie and macro route you, yeah you've got to go through the you got to go through the the education and once you do it then you can start the eyeball. so now chloe knows how much 15 grams of protein is of peanut butter <laughs> And like oh, I said, yes. it's, it's not that much. And I bet when you first did it, you're like, "No way! There's no way mm-hmm. it's this, it's this little." But that's what, again, potentially blocks people from losing weight. And and it's the hard truth, isn't it? Sometimes these things that you know they're energy dense. Some of these foods and they can really prevent your progress. So, good stuff. A little bit of education on portion control, and and it's hard. But once you do it, it's it's in there. It's in there. You, you've got it in the bank. Chloe, let's hit us us with one more, buddy.
3: I want to talk about kind of the scales and body composition. It's quite a big topic, so I might kind of, you know, dissect this out, split this out between the three of us here. But, you know, fat loss and weight loss, to me, are maybe different things. Yeah. And I, again, just commonly what I see is clients putting all their, what are called progress eggs, into one basket, and they jump on the scales, they cross their fingers and they're praying for a good result and potentially they don't maybe weigh in a consistent manner as well so they might weigh on a tuesday morning they might then leave it kind of 10 days they might jump on on a, a thursday lunchtime or they, they do a sunday morning and it doesn't show the bigger picture and your weight will always fluctuate based upon potentially what you eat what you drunk the day before if you're stressed i know chloe works with a lot of female clients so weight fluctuates weekly so then trying to compare weeks versus weeks doesn't doesn't work so there could be other things going on you know we often see clients performance go up in the gym even on a fat loss program because we get mm. them to eat better around their training so maybe they're building muscle so what i want to get people to think about is just how are you how are you tracking monitoring progress and what can you do to get to get a better overall picture of your weight loss and fat loss than just that set of bathroom scales that you've got.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. Like I said, fat loss isn't a linear process. So if you're taking snapshots, you know, it's, it's, you catch yourself on a bad day. So the alternative is to weigh yourself every day and look at trends. But Chloe, like you say, you've worked with people that, what, what, if someone doesn't want to step on the scale every day, you know? What, what?
1: Yeah. I find, I find that the, the more we obviously in terms of stepping on the scale and stuff the more we do look at it as just data because obviously people tend to like you know wrap their their weight up in their who they are as a person it becomes such a such a personal thing isn't it Mm. i think the more you do it the more it does just become data and if you actually can wear every day it's it's so useful but then you know I, i actually spoke to a couple of girls this morning who are keeping track on fat loss programs by looking at measurements That's a really great way to do it. Some don't even look at all measurements. They just look at waist measurement, which I think is great for seeing if you, you know, if your scale weight hasn't changed, but your waist measurement has gone down. I think that's a great one as well to kind of check that Mm. we obviously haven't gained fat. Maybe it is muscle, but measurements, taking pictures, um, how, like, a certain pair of jeans fits or how clothes fit, and just I think how you yeah. feel in your body like, we can always tell, can't we? Like, we can we know how yeah. our bodies feel, and just kind of doing that. So, I think the best I think pictures are one of the most valuable things because if the scale doesn't change, yeah. it tells you a lot. So, I would say pictures yeah. and measurements are, are great.
2: I'd agree with the pictures, it's something that again. We we don't ask anyone to post pictures online, or we don't post any. But I think it gives you. It's like it's like seeing a kid, isn't it? Like seeing your ne- niece or nephew. Don't see him for three weeks, and then you like you notice a change, but but the parent doesn't. The parent doesn't see that daily change. So you going, oh, I f-, you know I feel like I'm making progress. So I'm feeling all right. But if you've got a, an image of you three weeks ago or three months ago, and you take another one, you're like, "Wow, okay, I didn't realize I used to look like that, or oh my God, I couldn't you know quite believe the progress that I've made, and the scale might not reflect that you know it might mm. have not changed that much because muscle mass might have gone up or whatever, so again, we want to be thinking about what is going to be working for you. And like I say, as long as you're tracking some form of progress, I think that that's, that's a good thing. You did mention a, a, a point I want to expand on there is taking the emotion out of it. I think it's, it's easier said than done, mm. but taking the emotion and making it data, I think is a good thing because then it's just like, I weigh myself, I put it in and then it's just like, okay, I'm looking at trends and what's in you know percentages and what's happening rather than, Oh, That's what's happened today, you know. And and I think if you can take the emotion out of it, I think it is a useful, useful thing to do.
1: Thing on that as well. If someone does, I don't know, eat more at the weekend or whatever, or they they do something which they're like, okay, well, I'm not going to weigh tomorrow, even though I'm meant to because I'm going to weigh more. I actually think it can be quite powerful if you've had a big weekend and you've had more food step on the scale because then it's you are aware that you're like, well, I'm weighing heavier because I literally just have more food in my body. It's like if I go and make a plate of food and I stand on the scale with it, but then I put the food away. I mean, that food in my body is going to weigh just like as if I'm holding it. or I think people need to maybe understand that if you put food in your body, You're going to weigh heavier if you have more water in your body. And so I think actually weighing when you expect to perhaps be a bit heavier can be powerful because then you can see what happens when you do eat more. And it's obviously you have to be quite strong to do that. But I think it can be quite useful.
2: Yeah, I think like you say, I think it's right. I think it's understanding your body, isn't it? We've had clients that gain two and a half kilos overnight, you know, like by eating a massive three course meal and drinking a little bit more they they can gain two and a half kilos doesn't mean they gain two and a half kilos of fat in one evening so it's that awareness again of like how does your body react to this and then you can see oh my god how many days it takes for you to get back to normal like and it will drop one and a half kilos one kilo and then by wednesday you're back to normal but again you haven't gained that fat and i think that understanding is a really powerful thing I think, I think it's good
1: data different. to have down the yeah. line when you see your 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 weight go up again and you're like well okay i know i know why so yeah
2: yeah definitely i think it brings on to our last point that we that we got on the list is you know gaining fat and losing sorry gaining fat and losing muscle well that can happen but losing fat and gaining muscle that's potentially you know something that isn't gonna you know that you're not losing weight and tom you you, you kind of alluded it to earlier you can do this um, and actually you might be kind of gaining a little bit you know especially if performance is going up on a fat loss program we've seen it time and time again i know a lot of the research out there says it only happens in kind of untrained you know individuals but it can also happen when people have followed a really poor diet and a poor training program for an extended period of time and they actually then dial things in and then we can kind of see the result
3: yeah where we see people let's say fuel their training sessions what they're eating pre and post workout maybe a little bit better protein distribution across the day quality of the diet goes up so their recovery improves so in those training sessions they start to do a little bit more a bit more weight yeah. on the bar a few more reps in the workout so they get a better stimulus and response from their training so yeah we commonly see it where people are like I, i'm not really losing uh weight on the scale but they're like i can you know, I've dropped three holes on my jeans or that dress that I couldn't get into four or five weeks ago, I fit into it more comfortably. So yeah. take a step back and, like I say, identify, are you, if you're trying to lose weight, are you trying to actually lose weight or are you just trying to get leaner and potentially lose body fat? Yeah. And that might, that might help understand then what metrics you actually would suit you better to track, like we say, yeah. progress pictures, measurements, performance in the gym, et cetera
2: yeah a hundred percent like you know that'd be yeah I, I think you're right the body recomposition side of things of of losing losing fat and gaining muscle is achievable um but again if if you focus on just getting stronger like you know chloe you work with a lot of women that are just we're coming away from kind of focusing just on losing fat and actually increasing their performance and yeah, it's a bit more of a subjective approach, isn't it? But you can still track objective stuff in the gym and energy levels and, you know, you check-in forms that we use can still objectify things like that, can't they? Which, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which gives you which gives you data then to kind of look on progress. So energy levels generally in day, how did you train in performance, you know, recovery, these types of things, if you can objectify them. And again, this, this helps you to kind of contract progress rather than just focusing on jumping on the scale. So... Yeah, I think that's great. Anything else, guys, that you you have on the the list or you've seen that that may be of impacting people not losing weight?
3: can get a bit disheartened when it comes down to how quickly they expect weight Mm. to maybe fall off. I think people get so focused, and maybe this comes back again to standing on the scale, they get so focused on the outcomes, they're not maybe looking at just the processes and, and there's always things that might be out of their control. Let's say maybe metabolic rate versus when they were younger or you know maybe there is external stresses and, and things going on mm. so look at what you are doing well look at those processes and is it just you have to be a little bit more consistent a little bit more patient for a little bit longer a bit more of the long game yeah but you're more likely to stay at your kind of goal weight or goal dress size jean size when you get there rather than on this kind of constant yo-yo dieting where you're losing weight gaining weight
2: yeah yeah i think you're right it's it's one thing that uh i see with a lot of people is that the understanding that at the start fat loss can be relatively quick the longer that you go on to something the longer the plateaus occur and then the smaller the drops are so then it becomes frustrating because you're expecting these two, three, four, five kilo drops in relatively short time frames. When in reality, that's not going to happen ever again because you've already shifted some of that weight—water weight, body fat, etc. So then, as you get leaner, these 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 periods where the weight or the scale doesn't necessarily move can be a little bit longer. And like I say, then this little progress drops are quite small and and people can get super frustrated the problem is then they get more aggressive with their diets to try and you know to copy what happened at the start and that's a really challenging thing that's 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 going into the psychology of fat loss more than anything then because people are trying to be super aggressive and metabolism is probably a whole other conversation for another podcast but it's to understand that that you're in it the i say the the shorter the 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 progress is going to be kind of uh harder to come by you know the longer you go down that road but again we don't want people to be on that road forever you know you kind of want to get on it short periods and then the rest of the time you just want to be on the road to gaining performance getting stronger more energized and working on other areas of your nutrition you know if you can do that then hopefully you've got a bit more longevity in following a nutrition plan and and stuff like that Mm. i think i think that's where we want to go chloe you've you've been kind of prepping and dieting for competition and now what what's what's your weight done have you had days where it's fluctuated up and down and you've been a bit frustrated like what's, what's oh my god
1: on? oh honestly constantly like yeah. i remember when i first started prepping i mean this was early early days i think it, it took a really long time for it to initially drop it was dropping a little bit but nothing was really happening even though i'd you know reduced my food changed my training mm. done all the right things in terms of stimulus and i could see changes physically but the scale just wasn't it took a long time for it to budge and then you know even after a month or so didn't change anything and suddenly had like a massive drop and if i look back at all my weights and everything it's just gone in this kind of you know big dip sudden sudden plateau and it's whether you change anything or not sometimes that's just how your body reacts to things based on all the other things going on in your life yeah um As, you know, as as I mentioned about having more food, as soon as I was done with my show, I went and had some food, which was excellent. Very tasty, lots of cookies. Also, you know, a nice meal out with my family and the next day, or I didn't weigh myself for a couple of days, but then, you know, a couple of days later, I was heavier. But... That's the way it is. It's it's normal. It's, I have more food in me. I have more glycogen in my muscles. I have more water, maybe probably a little bit of fat there because I ate quite a lot of food. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, and now it's coming back down again because, you know, you go back into these cycles, but it, it's going to go up and down and it's going to fluctuate. And I think for me, because, you know, I've had problems in the past with like getting wrapped up in the scale and food and stuff. And I've found weighing myself more often has just completely changed my outlook on it and actually I do see it as data now even if some days I get on the scale and I'm like oh god it's I'm like okay it's just you know it's just I'm a bit inflamed like last week I you know had a really strong week of training and dieting and at the end of the week I was the same weight as at the beginning and I was like well that can't be right it's just inflammation and it's completely normal so yeah yeah I think it's just
2: knowing that happens but knowing that happens but then also understanding that there was real positives that week training was good It's not all about, like, say the uh, you can't you can't only be happy when the scale moves. Like, if, yeah. if you're only if you're doing that, then you're on a road to like being quite unhappy for an extended period of time. So, mm. you said I had a really strong training week. Cool. You know that for me is something that you need to put at the top of the tree and focus on, which you have done. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's that, that's really good. I also think, like, just kind of wrapping things up, is I think people set these big goals, don't they? Like, wait, so like, I want to lose ten kilos. And then they are only really happy if they get to that ten kilo mark. Whereas if you broke it down and potentially kind of put in right, I want so say I'm seventy two kilos and I want to get to sixty five. Okay, then if you set the first goal is to get under seventy, and then give yourself a big pat on the back, and then assess what what's next and how you're going to move forward, because things will probably change once you get under lost that two three kilos of what you need to do, and then work towards right next thing is one and a half kilos, next thing is two kilos. Because if you if you give yourself reward, it, it enhances motivation. Whereas if you got to 69 kilos and didn't really acknowledge that you're going to, you know, well done, mate, I've just lost three kilos. If you're like, well, it's all right, I'm not happy until I get hit my goal of 65. As you said, you're plateaued for quite a long time. So if, you, if you're not identifying the positives, I think people can put so much pressure on themselves and deny themselves being happy and deny themselves more motivation until they actually achieve that goal so trying to break it down like you say and focusing on either smaller weight goals or positives in in other areas in the scales I think is going to help people to be be a bit more successful with their diets lovely stuff I think that was fantastic so here's you know there were six six reasons we kind of uh, spoke about there yeah, I, I think the best thing to do is just to identify, you know, again, we're not finger pointing. It's just making it aware that these are the, the common things that we see with clients that prevent them to losing weight. So maybe go back through, identify a couple that maybe you're definitely doing um, and go like, right, do you know what? I'm going to tidy that up. I'm just going to get a little bit more dialed in with one or two areas rather than thinking that you've got to overhaul your whole diet and change, you know, lots of different things. It's normally small little changes, small little tweaks done consistently, that are going to help you to see progress cool thank you very much guys tom you all yeah, good with love that it.
3: yeah thanks for having me on good to chat i say keep it simple yeah. one or two things mm-hmm. lovely,
2: from there. lovely stuff thanks so much chloe thanks so much everyone so look if, if you like this episode please share it if you've got any more questions then pop us a message on instagram or on email uh, we've got lots of different content on weight loss and, and how to do it in the correct way on our instagram so definitely kind of go through that and, sh- and scroll back look at some of the some of the previous posts And if there's anything else you want us to cover, then just let us know. But thanks very much for listening. And we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.